All right, all right. What it is, good people. It is another Monday, 6.30 or so. And this is Monday Night Means. Your man Kyle Means here, War Media Chief, Editorial Director, with my guy Drew, who is checking out his butters or something. I don't know what he's doing. Man, I got, I gotta, I gotta get my my hair cut. These braids tightened up a little bit, man. It's getting a little frizzy yeah. up top. I'm just looking at it poking out over here. We are, we are uh, engaging <laughs> in a visual medium here, man. You gotta see. That's why I got my socks hat on, man. I can't be showing what I got under here, man. You, I'm also repping the AL Central champs, of course. But. Indeed, 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 indeed. Well, yeah, I never been a hat guy. guy. I never been a hat guy. Always been a socks guy, but never been you, a hat guy, man. Yeah, I guess as long as I've known you, I I, I don't think I've see yeah, I, I don't think I can picture you in a hat. Like I don't know if I can picture you in a hat at, at any time. Yeah, I got a I got a weird head, man. I don't, I don't <laughs> it's a lot of face and a little bit of head, man. Oh, I feel you. you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? You got yeah, you got you got to work. You got to make. You got to go with what works for you. We have a, a crazy head. You know, maybe hats don't, or maybe a certain kind of hat will work for you, like a, maybe a, a old school type dob or something. You know, one of those detective hats or something. <laughs> a cabana with like a straw hat or something. You know, I'm gonna have to work on that, man. I don't, yeah, this this the time. This the time in your life where you could be excused to you know uh, do some experimenting with your looks and your style and stuff. You know. You got to keep evolving, as you know. It's true. You it's know. true, man. If you ain't evolving, what you really doing? Right. You know, that's what life is about, you know. And uh, <laughs> so, that's what we doing here, you know, with this show. You know, another Monday, uh, just giving our, our thoughts, our takes on what's going on in, in the world around us, and particularly sports uh, here in Chicago and such. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's of course there's one obvious that as an obvious lead topic that we're going to have to go into pretty soon, but uh, we got a, a pretty packed show today. We got pretty some quite a bit of good stuff to talk about, you know, to offset that <laughs> that lead topic. But uh, you know, today, uh, you know, with a, we had, like I said, we got the Sox, we got the the Sky, you know, doing good in the playoffs. I said a couple other things, and uh, you know, helping us talk about that will be uh, our guy Sean Davis, uh, the Picasso behind the boards, producer at uh, ESPN One Thousand. He'll be coming on at seven o'clock, uh, and about seven thirty, uh, we gonna like, we doing a longer show again than uh, expected. But uh, I want to, I really want to get our guys from the Skyhook Podcast, of course, uh, James K. And Chris Pennant, who you can see uh, on our Running with War show, was one of our original runners there. And uh, they're gonna talk about the sky. They're gonna wrap up the show with us and talk about the sky in the WNBA playoffs. And you know, that's that's like I said, just make sure we get that get that into this show uh, as a as a uh, you know as a nice little capper. And because uh, that because those those games, those semifinal games are starting. Uh, tomorrow, and uh, yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm trying to I'm, I'm trying to delay the Bears talk 
So I don't know, but but you know, this is something I do want to do with these shows, just talk about our weekends and stuff and how things are going with us. So, you know, feel free, Drew. Uh, what, how was your weekend? Weekend was um it was pretty good, man. Outside from you know what we're gonna have to talk about eventually, the elephant in the room. It was pretty good, right? Man. Um, you know, we got some 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 good things to talk about that you mentioned as well. Uh, the Sox coming up, the Bulls media day, Sky. So I mean, it's it's definitely some things yeah. to look forward to to kind of offset what's going I say, on. How was your weekend? Man? My weekend, my personal weekend. We man, we cool. I, 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 I don't do a whole lot, man. I'm I'm kind of laid and laid back in the cut, man. Spent some time with my son. Um, got out in the park, moved around a little bit. You know, played his, his imaginary games, and <laughs> oftentimes <laughs> makes, makes me think about imaginary games. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, um, you know, he'll he'll play on the slide and do these other things only so long before he starts kind of implementing the things he plays on his iPad into whatever it is, whatever park we're we're at. Like he just starts throwing all types of stuff out there. Like he's a big fan of this game called Among Us and um, the Minecrafts and the Roblox of the world. So he he'll he'll uh, make us adapt. Our, our our settings to his games, you know what I'm saying. So it's always a good time with the with the little man. Even how how do you there. work into the? How do you work into the games? Uh, usually it always kind of comes down to some sort of like chase, you know what I'm saying, or it. You know, <laughs> it always like it'll come back to some kind of old school game. <laughs> how old is your son now? He's uh six. Yeah. He just started like first grade, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah man. So he, like I, I've I've known in my interactions with kids of that age, they're they're still like they they still can be pretty they can be pretty aggressive physically. Is he is your son like that? You know, is is, is does every but when you you said everything comes down to running, I've I've been around some kids where everything comes down to just them punching you in the gut or something, you know. No, <laughs> I know some kids like that. He's he's not yeah. like though. He's uh he's more of a lover. He ain't really a fighter, man. Not for real. Not like that. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, that's cool. He's sort of like you did that way. Yeah, 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 yeah. I would say so. I would say so. <laughs> that's, that's good. Hopefully, it stays like that. Man, I know, right? This this world has its ways of hardening you up and toughening you up. But I want to be able to keep some of that. Um, that good natured spirit about him, man. Right. Just project that out into this world, and you know, maybe to rub off on, on some people. That's a good thing. The, you may need to keep them from watching Bears games, then, because that'll that'll make them hard, and and I think that'll harden his that'll harden <laughs> anybody's soul. That'll that harden my thirty seven year old soul, man. <laughs> yeah. No, <Nah>, I'm just. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah I, I mean. Yeah, that, that's that's of course the lead that that we get into. I did I didn't do a Sunday night special because it was it was more it was more so because I was kind of tired by nine yesterday and uh, I was you know shuffling around some relatives and stuff and uh, during the day. But t the the day was cool though, except for the game. But uh, but yeah, by the end of the day, I just wasn't. I wasn't interested in talking, and I, I, I didn't want to force myself to talk about that game. But uh, it was, you know, it was just 
uh, you know, a masterpiece of of misery, man. It was, you know, is <laughs> it's, it's 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 really it's really fantastic the way that the Bears sort of play with your emotions and play with your hopes and your 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 uh, you know they just they can just take any sort of positivity that you have uh, and just wring it out of you by you know not. I guess a half at halftime I wasn't, you know, completely wrung out, but by that fourth quarter I was like, you know, yeah, I'm done. I was ready. I was I was so glad I had a free uh a red zone weekend from uh you know, I'm 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 on YouTube TV and they had the free red zone this week. So uh that helped distract me a bit. But you know, the game is what it was. The Bears just aren't a very good team and they're beyond a quick fix, which I think a lot of people kind of thought that, you know, if you just placed a quarterback in this team or a modern quarterback, at least it's the kind of quarterback that is sort of, you know, making the team, the, the real winning teams go in the league as, except for the champion team of course that's a very old school quarterback there but everybody else seems to have these modern 21st century quarterbacks from Mahomes to you know uh to Kyler Murray to Lamar Jackson to you know even still uh you know Russell Wilson up in Seattle teams you know are making use of these guys who can run and pass and do these do these very athletic things and the Bears finally you know, there was so much excitement when the Bears, who have traditionally had these stiffs in the in the uh, pocket, who you know try to use their arm to various degrees of success, uh, you know, throughout the years they had those had those guys, but now they have a modern, you know, do it all guy who can excite you in any way, and you know, make you know chicken salad out of chicken ish. And uh, all, it seemed like yesterday, all that he was, all that he was allowed to give us was chicken-ish. He wasn't even allowed to make plays that you know broke down into anything. Mostly though, but mostly because Cleveland was just so quick to the quick. The Cleveland pass rush was so quick to get them. They had some special players on that line. Of course, we we spoke about it last week. Miles Garrett and. You know, Jadavion Clowney were going to be guys who are going to be reckoned with in this game. But, you know, the Bears should have known that as well. If we do that, the Bears should have known that. And it seemed like their game planning and their lack of adjusting at, at throughout that entire game just screamed that the – screamed to everybody, those who knew it. And it seemed like everybody is united on that front now. Those who who paid attention to the Bears here in Chicago, we pay attention to them more than anything. And all those outside the city and national level who watch the game of it, follow the NFL and such, who may pay attention to the Bears a little bit, you know, everybody, no matter how what level you pay attention to the Bears now, it seems that everybody is speaking the same thing in the wake of yesterday's game, and that's – that the Bears are not being coached the right way, their offense at least not being coached the right way. Bat Nagy isn't doing a negligible job at least. He's doing a fireable job at worst. 
And, uh, you know, it, it's going to lead to, at least in the short term, a, uh, you know, just a, a complete failure to to uh, really, a f- complete failure to uh, do the best for this potentially special talent in Justin Fields. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I'll just pass it off to you before I get to rambling anymore, man. Like, from, from your point of view, man, what, what do you think is going on? I think, you know, if we, we talk about, uh, you know, the our CSE ratings, uh, buy, sell, and, and uh, hold, you know, I think it's pretty obvious where the Bears are at today. But, uh, you know, in particular, Nagy, and nobody's buying what he's selling today. And uh, I think f- for most of us, it won't be, it won't be any type of real change that's going to be available until he at least gives up the call, the play calling duties. But we, as we've seen before, he's, he may be too stubborn to do that. He may die on that hill. And, um, you know, beyond that, there's, you know, that's, Beyond that, there's like I say uh, a lot of bad, just a lot of holes on the team that could be attributed to the management, to uh, Ryan Pace, you know, the offensive line. We you know we know what's the uh, what's the problems there, obvious problems, and uh, you know, I I, I, just, I don't want to ramble anymore about it. But I'll give it to you. Uh, uh, you're all good, brother. Um, I. So what, here's what I'm selling. I'm selling Nagy as a play caller. I'm selling Nagy as somebody who can game plan, who can adjust, who can actually be the coach that he, you know, presented himself to be in those meetings. Yeah. That got he's, not really, he's not really a head coach. He's not really an NFL head coach. He's He's not, yeah, and uh, and uh, after you after you're done, I'm gonna speak about the, the 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 tendency that the franchise has to bring about coaches that aren't really coaches. But go ahead. Yeah, no, that's 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 what I'm selling, and it's funny because uh, the three of us, you, me, and Ryan, we talked about this at the end of um, last week's uh, Monday Night Means, uh, where I brought it up to you guys, where I said, you know, is is Nagy's difficulty or you know i guess you can't even say seemingly or seeming apparent or virtual difficulty it actually is a difficulty of his to to get his team um in the best positions to win i asked if that was going to be the biggest bugaboo for this year um outside of the questions in the secondary um questions about the offensive line (laughs) and not a game later you know it it seems like this is this is what it's going to be nobody ever thought that um, you know, the Bears are going to be Super Bowl contenders, uh, whether or not Fields played the majority of the season. Um, you know, it's kind of – it is what it is. We were looking more so for Fields to get some time, so for for him to develop and kind of get his feet wet so that next year he can hit the ground running. Um, so I'm not, I'm not necessarily looking at just the fact that they lost. Like, I kind of – I, I Peg them to lose, but not like this. Like nobody thought they, you know, put up the 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 least amount of yards that they've ever put up in the last forty years. Um, 
it's just yeah. it, it's crazy, man. Um, and that's saying something. We've seen a lot of in-app offenses, um, you know, even going back to last year or going back to several instances where Nagy's teams just didn't cut it. Um, unfortunately, I don't. It feels like a lot of those games came in front of um, national television audience as well. But um, man, I'm I'm selling this team. I'm selling I'm selling Nagy. You know, like you just said, I'm I'm hoping that maybe he turns the play calling over to Bill Lazor. Um, you know, Lazor did a better job of putting Trubisky in positions to succeed. He got the the running game going. Now the caveat there is that when that happened, they were kind of going into the soft part of their schedule. But still, these were things that we were able to kind of uh, take away from him being in charge. And that's not something we can say for Matt Nagy. I just don't understand what, what happened, man. What happened in, in, in 2018 that's not happening now? Was he so – was his offense so reliant on the defense's takeaways <laughs> to, to produce any points or to or – to, to be the type of offense he he claims to be able to to wield, like what I don't understand what happened, man. I just don't. Well, yeah, that was part of it, but I think um, probably the you know you probably you have you had a better line at that point, a better, more healthier line, a better you know the team was probably built more. I mean that was a the, yeah the defense did play a big part because that defense was so amazing. It was the best defense in the league. They they turned they forced turnovers at a great rate, and they kept teams. You know they they kept the the pacing of the games and the ball control of the in the games was always was was routinely something that the Bears had the advantage of, and um, you know, it, it, I think a, a lot of it too was, you know, Nagy's his his variance on the schemes and the plays that he got from uh from coach reed uh andy reed and and uh over there in kansas city and stuff he was able to and, and this is something that you probably you could argue that you saw in philadelphia too with doug peterson who you know didn't keep his job for long even though he won the super bowl over there is that people who come from under the andy reed tree or or come off a branch of that tree seem to have a good amount of success in their opening years as coaches or the, you know they you know their early time as coaches mm-hmm. but it's, at some point they get caught the league catches up to them or some somehow or they get a little bit too comfortable or too uh you know maybe too arrogant or too confident in their abilities and they just seem to flame out you know and you know Nagy, I think in particular was is a coach who I don't think he really got through finishing school as a as a coordinator. Like when the Bears hired him, he was you know I don't even I'm not even sure I have to go back, but uh, uh, I, you know I think someone who's covering the league more in depth at that time could probably tell you. But I'm I'm pretty sure he wasn't really leading the play calling that the time for the Chiefs when he was – he was the offensive coordinator when the Bears had him, but I don't know if he was leading the play call. And that may be something that he got from Reed too where Andy Reed is sort of hands-on with the play calling and the uh, the, 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 you know, the way that the office is dictated 
uh, on game day. I think that's a, another re- one of the reasons probably why he won't let it go because he wants to live up to that standard himself. And he, he's just not Randy Reed. He's and on any level. And yeah, that, that pride you know, going to give him the axe, man. Yeah, and it's really it's really mind boggling. Like you, you, we've been through this situation pretty much the last three years, but definitely it reached a um, a boiling point last year. And he was, like I said, he was forced to give it up. And regardless of the competition that they faced at that time, which it was a, a worse, uh, you know, a, a bit of a. Uh, a, a lower point of the schedule as far as competition go. It still was NFL teams. They made do, and they they played the type of games that they needed to play. It's more about not not so even so much who you're playing against, but what you're doing with the talent that you have. Are you maximizing that talent? Are you playing to their abilities? Are you playing compliment, what they call complementary football? You know. You got to give yourself the best opportunities to uh, to score to uh, to compete week in and week out, and it seems like so many of the answers are obvious. Every people are saying, no matter the level of uh, knowledge that people have, people observing this team from ex players on down to amateurs, <laughs> uh, you know, people like us who never played the game at a high level, it's like people are understanding though. You know, move the pocket, you know, run the ball a little more, move the pocket with fields, you know, put him in positions where he can maybe where he can use his feet to make plays, do things. Max protect. Pass protect. Yeah. You know, there's it's a lot of things that people if, if you just watch football for a couple decades, you would you you can recognize these things. You don't just take a guy like him and stand him up like like I say, like a stiff in the pocket, like he's Brady or something, or, or somebody that said I saw somebody online say Dan Marino yesterday. Like, you know, Marino could get the ball out in three seconds flat and know and know who he would throw the ball to, you know, Mark Ingram or whoever. But you know, but that's not something that that Justin Fields can do, and that's not something that he wants to do. It's not that's not, again, it doesn't play to his strengths. And when you have you know, monsters coming at him like the Browns was offering. You know, Miles Garrett was eating him up, man. He was like food to this dude, man. He, and and you know, once once he has one and a half sacks, you should have an idea to uh, an idea at that point to adjust. You know, how do you let a guy get four and a half sacks in the game, man? No matter who you got on your side, man, you should have somebody doing something chipping. Chipping another obvious thing that people were like, you know, something to slow them down. Yes, you're not running with your backs, mm-hmm. so at least at least put one in the backfield to you know <laughs> knock knock uh Garrett off of his path. You keep giving him a free path to your to the, the guy who's supposed to be leading this franchise for 10 15 years. You're gonna let him get get uh his knee blown out by by a blindside hit. Get his back blown out of something by a blindside hit because of your pride. Because you don't know no better. You act like you don't know no better. It, it's 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 ridiculous, man. And, and you know that's 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 what's that's where the stakes are, man. We can't we can't understate this, man. Because you can look at situations in the league where 
promising young quarterbacks have got abused to the point where they, you know, there's one not far from us in Indianapolis. That's what happened to Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck was a very promising quarterback. And, you know, his team didn't take care of him in the way that they needed to in regards to, you know, providing a, a, a front line for him that could protect him. And he got so beat up over time. He was like, screw it, man. I'm going to do something else with my life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's no reason why Justin Fields can't feel that way by the end of this rookie contract if he's getting if he's still being coached the way that he is. And, you know, I think there's, there's really, like I said, there's really no reason why that should be the case because, uh, you know, if, if, if we're seen under crisis, if, if this is the way that Matt Nagy is going to respond to being under crisis, then he can't keep this job much longer. The Bears don't fire coaches during midseason. But what is what are you going to do? What can he do? What uh, no is what possibly last year was was they got saved by I guess again that that bad though that last month of the season where they played uh mostly AFC South teams and and a bad you know, uh, Minnesota team and such that they were able to take advantage of that. Their schedule coming up, they they have one of the toughest schedules in the league this year. Yep. And when you look at the schedule coming up past this Detroit game, you're looking at road games in Las Vegas and Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh don't look too tough, but still, it's pit, going to Pittsburgh is tough. The a, the AFC North in general, you got Pittsburgh, Baltimore. And uh, well, they played Cleveland and Cincinnati. So thankfully they played Cleveland and Cincinnati, but like, Cleveland already whooped them. Cincinnati damn near beat them. <laughs> and you still got uh, Baltimore. You got the Packers. You got Minnesota, who they're one and two, but they could easily be a three and zero team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they they've played. They've they've I've actually been impressed by the way that they've played uh, offensively so far this year, uh, especially even Kirk Cousins and. Um, but they, the, the Bears have a tough schedule, and they have a schedule that can easily make. I think, I think, and this may be needed, but they they may need to have this sort of rock bottom uh, thing happen. And it's and it goes back to uh, this was this was I was about to say about their recent coaching history, where you had a guy in uh, this, this guy's come up a lot in discussions in the recent, last week, Mark Tressman. And I remember vividly, you know, when when we began War Media and we are I was writing pretty consistently about the Bears those during those Trestman years. Thirteen, they had a good team, like one of the top offenses in the league, and they ba- just barely missed the playoffs. You know, uh, that was the year that uh, uh, I, I said I, I wrote that uh, Aaron Rodgers came through like the Grinch and stole Christmas. <laughs> And he uh, he stole the playoffs from the Bears that year. In the, in the division, they had it was the last game of the season. Everybody you know knows it. the deep throw and everything, and uh, you know. Yeah. But uh, so they they had a pretty good season that year, all things considered, for the Bears, and almost made the playoffs. But then in fourteen, everything fell apart. They lost. You know, they had like two games where they gave up fifty points. One was to the to the, to the Packers on a Sunday night football, 
Uh, I wrote that night that the Chicago didn't have a professional football team at that point. And they came back after that game and gave up another 50 to uh, New England in another game. And that that was just the worst of the worst. That's probably the, the worst point that the Bears have had since the 85 Bears and stuff, the lowest point uh, competitively. And because of that, you know, he was gone at the end of that season. They didn't even fire him midseason after those games. After losing to the Packers like that, they didn't fire him. But but he him and Phil Emery, uh, the GM at the time, went out at that end of that season. He wasn't a pro football coach. He was an offensive coordinator at best. Uh, they hired John Fox after that. John Fox was once at one point was a professional football coach, but at that point he wasn't he wasn't interested in being a coach no more. He just he just got a job to get a he job wanted, at that point. He wanted a head coach's check. That's all he wanted. Yeah, he wanted a head coach's check. <laughs> and uh that was it though, that was all for him. And you know, he 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 went about the job like pretty much in that fashion and he, he wound up getting, you know, canned in, in due time. And they you know they followed him up with another guy taking the risk on a young coordinator. They thought they could be ahead of the curve in Nagy, and they didn't. They didn't hit with this guy. And you know the the big the one thing that he needed to do was cultivate the quarterback that was here. And that was you know he didn't he didn't draft you know uh, Mitch Trubisky. And you know he made it clear that at he made it clear at certain points he never because he's such a nice guy as it is he never said it out loud but he you know he he made it clear at times that he never was believed in Mitchell and Mitchell would never be his guy and you know he he didn't he didn't do right by Mitchell he couldn't even he couldn't work with him so you know we got to give him his own guy you get him Justin Fields he's excited he's he's hip and jipper about him just like everybody else is in chicago but at the same time he's he's not showing that he's doing right by him either and and this is the last thing i'm gonna say on all this i think i really think you know i i, I wonder if we'll ever get the answer about this about why he approached the season the way he did because you know there's a couple reasons there's a couple different ways you can look at it but the way i'm looking at it is that Nagy didn't start Fields at the at the beginning of this year, and he wasn't planning to do it. Like you know, the reason why he started this week was because Dalton was injured, mm-hmm. and the reason why he'll be starting this coming week is because Dalton is still injured. But the reason why he wasn't in any rush to start uh, Fields and Dalton was going to be the quarterback indefinitely was that I think he knew that you know he didn't want to he wanted to keep from being exposed. Daggy did. And if Nag if Daggy he I think he knew that if this guy was out here, this 21st century quarterback with all the tools that everybody was asking for here in Chicago was out there and they and they gave the type of performance, just the type of performance that they gave on Sunday. You know, or or any type of comparable performance that he's given, that he's allowed this offense to have over the past three years. You no, know, this bad, bad lack of scoring, lack of consistent ball movement, all this. 
the type of performance we've been <laughs> used to seeing with Nagy as the head coach. If if he didn't, if the nothing raised, the play of the team didn't raise at all, even with Fields in there, that would mean that all the excuses are gone and that everything has to be tied back to him. As Olin Cruz said on NBC Sports Chicago today, he, he's looking for the why, and the why is in the mirror. <laughs> the why, the, the answers to every problem that the Bears have right now, especially on offense, tied to Matt Nagy. And there's no escaping that now because there's he has everything that he wanted. He has the t- the roster. This is the roster that he wanted. This is the roster from from at every position that him and 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 uh you know pace. You know pace can't be escaped. That's why pace. Whenever they fight, whenever they have their Black Monday in January, they have to both go because pace built this. You know he for one he built this team, and he didn't. He's he had, he's never checked Nagy in the way that he's never that he's supposed to check him. The main way being that you know you got to get off the play call. That that's a call that should be coming from him from on high and. That's you know that's the, the 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 immediate guy over him is Pace, so you know Pace gave him the, the these are the groceries that Pace gave him to to work with too, including that offensive line, which through those first two games wasn't terrible. Like they were terrible yesterday, but those first two games, even against the Rams, they weren't they weren't terrible. They've been average. You know what I'm saying? Like I just <laughs> it's just unbelievable, man. But but again, eventually you had to believe that this was going to happen, and because uh, like I say if, if you if you observe what was going on, you knew that there was there their line doesn't compare to the top lines in the league, the line the the league, the lines where money is was has really been spent, where high draft picks have been invested. The, the Bears haven't done those things that the successful teams have done to build their lines. No, no, I agree. But my only pushback, um, and I defer to guys like you, um, is that, you know, aside of, outside of some, some bombs given up by the defense um, against the Rams, the Bears' old line was giving Dalton – a chance. Now, maybe the game yeah. plan wasn't because, as as you pointed out earlier, these especially against the Rams and yesterday, Nagy just is allowing teams to dictate to him, like dictating the terms to the Bears, rather than, like you said, figuring out. Okay, man, I got two. I got all these tight ends. I got David Montgomery. I got a mobile quarterback. Um, like, why why not tailor your plan? to what your team does the best or what you think your team does the best and 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 see if the defense can stop them. Like why not? I don't understand. Like I'm 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 by no means like an expert in football. Like I I'm <laughs> armchair quarterback for sure, man. But if we're seeing these things sitting in sitting in our living rooms, what is going on in these meeting rooms? What what's what's all this collaboration that's happening? I don't I don't understand. Like what what is being said? Like that's the that's the main that's the that's that's like the sixty thousand dollar question, man. 
And we don't get that type of, that type of, I, I, I wonder what it is. Like, we don't get that type of insight. Like, you know, got, you know, bless our, our guys, you know, who cover the team. You know, I'm, I'm sort of amongst them at this point myself. But the guys who are really there day in and day out in Hallis Hall and stuff who get to ask the questions, the, you know, they they haven't unearthed any of these type of answers. And, you know, Nagy definitely isn't going to give up any of those those answers himself. And But no one around him is either. And this, that's another comparison, I think, that you have from this team and this era to that, um, that Tressman era, in particular that second year where there were a lot of leaks coming out of Hallis Hall and a lot of dissension. The team was dis- – there was a lot of dissension in the team. There's, there's a lot of, you know, <laughs> like bad attitudes and, you know, you know, just people – it was a bad mix of players on that team attitude-wise, you know. This is – one of one of the things that I have given credit for Nagy to, to Nagy on during his time as coach for the Bears is that the locker room hasn't overtaken him. They haven't, there hasn't been a mutiny on him. And I guess that speaks to his ability to work with people, which is a very valuable thing for any coach at any level. But, you know, it also, I think at some level, there's just a certain delusion that has to be taking place around that team and, and that coaching staff where it's like, you know, who's really speaking truth to power in that team? Who's really, you know, showing leadership and, you know, vision amongst that team that is needed to rectify the things that are inherently wrong with this team. It's not, not none of that is being shown at the expense of peace and, and uh, you know, civility. We just got a team that does the same dumbass things week after week because, you know, nobody wants to rock the boat, it seems, and nobody is – you know, wants to, I don't know if they want to hurt. They want to hurt feelings, or they don't want to. But they just, or that maybe there isn't enough of a spiritual or emotional investment at this point. Maybe it's just like, look, this dude's gonna lose his job eventually. You know, so let's just that's, let's just let's just play it. Let's just play out the string. You know, I don't know. I, I don't that's, know. That's that's a hell of a point because I think you have multiple personalities like that on the defensive side of the ball that'll let it be known to guys real quick. But on offense. I think that's few and far between. Um, even when I think, you know, if we would uh, kind of guess who would who could take that mantle would be Allen Robinson, just um, the caliber of player that he is and experience that he has. But he he even him, I don't know. He just he seems to be maybe I don't know if soft spoken is the right word, but I don't even even I don't even know if he would even. But but you know what the thing with him I think is, is that because of the way the team is dealt with him. He's 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 like Lars Professor. He's looking at the front door, man. He, <laughs> at at the end of this season, he's gonna be you know he's gonna be uh, on the market, and uh, you know the he, he's gonna be probably he's gonna likely be looking even with Fields. You know the promise of of being able to work with Fields. There's the there's the opposite. I don't know what's what be the answer of the promise, but you know there's uh, you know, there's the opposite feeling of knowing, you know, just who's going to – of knowing that the Bears don't have the right guy who is coaching that offense, and they may not hire a, a guy after him who's worth a damn. 
So, you know, why stay with this team if they don't they don't have a system in place that it allows for success, at least not on the offensive side. And there's nothing that the team has offered that a lot that at the moment is showing that there's going to be a difference. And, you know, even I say, going back to what you said, Drew, that first step would seemingly be to give the offense over to Bill Lazor, a professional who is called, you know, who has more, I, I, I think more uh, play call experience than Nagy has. Not, not necessarily more success, but, you know, he's, he has the experience and he, he has more success in, in you know, he, more success in the recent past with Chicago, with this team than Nagy has. And they just don't, they don't even want to make that adjustment. So if you can't do that much, then what, you know, what are you really trying to do here? What type of effort are you really making to win and be better? Exactly. Exactly. We talked about, you know, somebody that could um, kind of be, uh, kind of push back on Nagy. Maybe it is laser. He might've done it accidentally, um, Okay, that? Maybe, maybe that kid, maybe that's kept him from getting. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe he popped off too much. And, yeah, and speaking yeah. of that too, there was a, a. I don't know if you saw that tweet Sunday, but a lot of people passed it around. Like it's like there was there was a shot on the sideline, and I think it was Foles who was saying like uh, the offense doesn't work because some people were reading his lips. You couldn't you couldn't hear him, of course, but. The people reading this list, he's like, "Office doesn't work," and all this. It's like, it, I think, I think the guys know. The guys have to know. They played enough football, and they played in other places with other people to know what winning football is. Like. Foles is the Super Bowl MVP. He knows what the office is. He knows mm-hmm. what the office should be at its maximum. So they, they, they caught that moment this Sunday. Yeah, it happened. Yeah, it happened. Oh, wow, because then Foles said that same thing. Something to that effect. Um. Was it against the Rams last year? He said something. Yeah, that, yeah the, the report was, yeah, that he had. Yeah. Oh, wow. I think that came, out, that came out during the game that, you know, he had issues with the way that the offense was being run. And, like, there was there's been reports, too, that other quarterbacks, like Mark Sanchez, you know, who isn't the, a great uh, authority, but, you know, but to have Mark Sanchez be critical of your work, as a as a play caller or as, as a game planner, it, it's 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 telling and uh, you know it's yeah it, it's just really ridiculous, man. And we've really spoke too much on this. I think <laughs> in large part because uh, I'm trying to. I don't know. One of our I I, I thought I guess uh, Sean Davis was going to be available at seven. I'm not sure. I'm trying to see where he's at, but but we should be having. Uh, I uh, should be having our guys again, James K and Chris Pennant on momentarily. Before we get them on, let's, uh, you know, like I say, the bear, like, we selling the Bears. Uh, this, they got, the the tough thing too, again, is that they, they do have a chance, a good chance to be two and two uh, after next week with Detroit coming through. Detroit can't win. They, the, Detroit just finds the most amazing. Like, Detroit makes always is there to make me feel better as a Bears fan because they, their history is even, it's almost as long as the Bears, but it's more barren 
They've never been to the Super Bowl. And they never they have way less NFC championships and NFL championships than the Bears have. They just find and they find the, the damnedest ways to lose. They lost yesterday <laughs> on the on the record field goal, NFL record field goal, 66 yards for Justin Tucker of Baltimore. And not only was the not only was the you know the record, you know, you had the record in yards, but the, the ball bounces off the the crossbar and it, it over the crossbar into Hey, it, was, it was so funny. Again, that I, I give credit to Red Zone. I was because of Red Zone, I was able to watch that live, and I was just like, man, man, those lines, man, lines gonna line. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, I mean, you, you hate to call any any game a gimme, but I feel like the defense by themselves can win us two games against Detroit. All the all the offense has to do is just not turn the ball over. And yeah, you know, but then, but see, because of that, we can't even value those wins. It's like. It's like, oh, we beat Detroit. Who gives a damn? Like, yeah, yeah. You know? That's that's the thing, man. It's like Nagy's got a winning record. He's been to the playoffs what two out of three years. He's been here. Um, you really got to be doing something really wrong. You know what I'm saying? Uh, to have this amount of people, this this many people in the fan base coming for your head, um, despite some of the things you've been able to do. I'm not saying that. I'm not trying to get this dude a pass. I'm just looking at what he's done and comparing that to, um, you know, how anxious everybody is to get him out of town. You, That's how bad it is, dude. Like, and he said it. He just said it. He said he's going to believe, you know, to paraphrase him, um, he's, he's just got to start to keep it super simple. But I don't even know if he's capable of that, though. He hasn't really shown himself to be capable of that. Um, it's already all- pretty simple. It's, it's plenty simple already. <laughs> so it's not that the offense isn't complex. You know, you're not even doing the thing. Like I say, if you're not you're not even trying to do the thing that you thought you can that you you would think you could do with Fields that you couldn't necessarily do with Dalton. They have those things make sense to do with Dalton. They don't make sense to do them with Fields. So it's like you know, if you can't, you you just you can't adjust for your talent. You can't maximize your talent. Then you need to go. You can't. You supposed to be a quarterback whisperer, or go, offensive guru, man. You you fail with not only two quarterbacks, really two quarterbacks primarily, but really like five. And you know, how many chances do you get? You know, that's you know. yeah. But uh, yeah, let, I, let's move on for this. I'm. I'm I'm tired of it. Shout out to everybody online on Twitter who's uh, talking with us. You know, Demise, of course, uh, D, the one only D. I got Behan uh, and uh, Dedrian, of course, Dedrian Cologne. Shout out to Dedrian. Shout out to Dedrian for the logo. Mm-hmm. Definitely hit up Dedrian when you want to get you a logo or something else of that nature. But uh, I'm coming. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Here we have Shaw now. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit late, man. But how you doing, man, bro? I'm you sorry, doing, bro? man. I've been doing some running around today, and I was like, "Yo, I got to get to my boys," and I'm just <laughs> just getting in, man. Had to step away from the misses for a second, but I, I'm I'm ready, man. I apologize. What's okay, going man. on? I, we hey, appreciate my- we appreciate having you all, man. Of course. 
It's always um, a pleasure. It's good to see you guys, man. I feel like I feel like it's been forever, man. I haven't seen you guys in the flesh. Definitely, yeah. It's, so we got to make that happen soon. I'm with that, man. I'm, I'm with that. Whatever, whatever you got in mind, let me know, man. Better, but yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying to get us get us. Uh, 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 I'm trying to get our spirits back up. We just spent the last forty plus minutes talking about the Bears, man. I'm not, I'm not trying to really do much more of that. I don't know how interested you are, but I, I, I'll live. I'll let you have the floor before I direct us into some other stuff. If you want to, you know, get your get anything off about the Bears, feel free. Yeah, I've been very much a therapist today, multiple <laughs> times. So, and I'll say this: as far as yesterday. And I reminded a couple of people, if you go back to the very first start for Deshaun Watson against the Bengals on a Thursday night, it was very similar. Like Deshaun was knocked around all night. The offensive line, at that point in time, the Texans, I think, for three years straight, had the worst offensive line in, in football. Mm. Like, they were awful. And we know Bill O'Brien was just as awful. I don't know if he was worse than Matt Nagy, but he was pretty bad. So that was the same situation that Deshaun Watson walked in and he got beat up that night. And the only difference between his performance and Justin Fields performance is that Deshaun got loose for a 70 yard run on a blitz. Mm. And they ended up winning the game, I think 10 to nine or something like that. So it was a different POV because he got the dub, but dude, I mean, the makings of it for both of them is just, it was a nightmare. Similar surroundings, bad coaching, really no one to develop them. And the second year, you saw Deshaun make strides. They get rid of uh, Hopkins. And the next year, he's darn near the best quarterback in the league. Right. So I say that to be encouraging to Bears fans to say, if you feel like you have a dude, he's that dude. And, like, when you're a dude, no, there are no obstacles that are going to stop you from being that dude. So your trust has to be in Justin Fields. That's it. Yeah. And hopefully they get everything else around him correct. But Justin Fields is the one that has his future in the palm of his hands. And if he wants to be a dude, he's going to be a dude in spite of whoever the coach is, whoever the GM is. If he wants to be a dude, he'll end up being a dude. But I will say this. Yo, <laughs> play calling I, man I, I am yo I'm sure you guys have said enough in the past 40 minutes however long you guys have been on man it's it's beyond ridiculous I talked to my my big bro you know I I, I called and checked on my big bro JP early this morning and uh, I know he's feeling it I, I just let him vent to me and you know we were on the phone again like right before Nagy was supposed to, supposed to speak. And once he got the 50 minutes past the time he was supposed to speak to the media, I was like, yo, is this dude getting fired today? Because I'm like, yo, this, this is feeling real strange. And then all of a sudden he popped up. So I just get the feeling that certain things are going to come to an end. The Bears are those type of organizations where everything has to hit rock bottom. I don't know yeah. why that's the case for them to make change. And we, in my opinion, rock bottom was yesterday. 
it was. You know, it, it, it's the beginning of rock bottom because I, yeah, I went over that schedule coming up. Uh, get the shine, and and you know, I think they're gonna. There's some chance to really be embarrassed because like yeah. the, the Raiders look a little. The Raiders look tough out in Vegas. Yep. You, you know, uh, Green Bay is gonna have no no type of uh. You know, they're gonna be out for blood. Cause yeah. they that's that's just what they do, and and they're not falling apart. <laughs> they showed yesterday right. they're right. not falling apart this year. So right. you know, they, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of toughness on the schedule that uh is gonna be you know. And and the one thing I gotta bring James and Chris on James K and Chris Pender it on right quick. Sure. And uh, but but the one thing I was gonna uh, you did a great job of providing some perspective there in regards to young quarterbacks and their development. And the fact that the fact is that even though we have the in the league now where every every young quarterback has to play from day one, nobody sits anymore and and and, has, and learns and you know you feel you whatever way you want to about that, you know. But you know whether you're learning on the job or you're learning from the bench, you right. know you're going to have your bumps that you take when you have your initial games as a starter. And mm -hmm. every you mentioned you mentioned Watson, the same is gone for Kyler. Same went for Kyler Murray. Same yep. went for Justin Herbert, who's who's looking a lot better this year than this than he did last year. The same happens for has uh, one more guy I'm trying to think of, but uh, yeah, the, Josh, the, Allen. Much, Josh Allen, yeah, Josh, Josh Allen, Allen. Is example. yeah, all these young guys they take their bumps as quarterbacks when they when they first start because. Primarily because they're on bad teams, yep. and these bad teams have to formulate something around these guys to make them to to make them better, these quarterbacks better, and to make the people around them better. And then they then they start to take off. So that is a that is a that was a really a, a good job you did there, provide some perspective and some hope. Because but I think the primary the primary <laughs> uh, expression of hope for Bears fans today would be getting that coach out and getting that uh, GM out and then seeing who who can work with, uh, you know, uh, fields going forward to maximize his ability. But uh, I, I, let's get let's get James and Chris on and talk right quick about a, a team that actually is winning and representing the city well, <laughs> the Chicago Sky. What's up, the fellas? I'm, I, I, we, we got a little, we got, we getting a little bit of a traffic jam here, <laughs> but uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad you guys were able to come on, uh, right quick. I just wanted to get your thoughts on. We'll do some more talk about this tomorrow on Running with War a basketball show, but I just wanted to get your thoughts because the WNBA playoffs, the semifinals are starting tomorrow, and we get to see the play in a five games uh you know i didn't expect that much you know chris you were you were pretty confident last week when we talked about this you said that they had a good chance to get to the semifinals and they that's just what they did they won their first two games win or go home and now they get to play the connecticut sun in a five game series starting tomorrow number one seed in the league you know uh just first off what you guys think about the way that the team has played so far and you know, what do you think it says about their chances going forward? 
Kyle, I'm real glad that you said that I had that they had a good chance because I don't remember myself saying that they had a good chance to get to the semifinals. So <laughs> I, 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 remember, you I remember you saying that they could it. make the semifinals. I remember you saying that. <laughs> I don't know if I went to sleep saying the same thing, but they make they're here now. <laughs> they, you know, they're here now. And and James and I just talked about it. They've maximized the places where they haven't typically had success in the paint and uh, getting to the foul, getting to the foul line. The Sky have been a team that gets out in transition, which they've also done really well. That's put a lot of teams on the back foot. Uh, but also they're, they're a distance shooting team. When they're going good, Allie Quigley is bombing away. Courtney Branderson hits one or two threes a game. Um, Diamond DeShields isn't that type of outside shooter, but she has hit out, you know, she has hit outside shots. And even Kalia Copper added that to her game too. And she has hit a couple threes, but they have not been nearly the team that they – have historically been with James Wade, um, Allie Quigney, Courtney Vandersloot in terms of uh, three-point shooting. But they have gotten to the paint. They've gotten to the free throw line, 20 foul shots in yesterday's game. That's three, I think, above their average. And defensively, they uh, they were they dogged Minnesota, man. They did not allow them to get into sets after the first quarter. They were ripping balls out of their hands. They were tipping passes away and just generating that transition offense that makes them so difficult. Uh, I don't, I don't want to get to Connecticut yet because we haven't gotten to that part of the discussion, but that is how they've won. Okay, James, man, glad to have you back on, man. Uh, you know, what are your thoughts on the team? And, you know, it's been a while. You know, we, didn't, we haven't talked since the beginning of the season. So what, what are your thoughts on – the way that this team has been able to really overcome sort of a disappointing uh, regular season, you know, playing just at a 500 level. We know that there was a lot that was uh, still that was potentially promised for the team, you know, talent-wise, but, you know, they, they seem to really be starting to play their best basketball right now at the most important time. Well, first off, thanks for having me back on the show. It's always fun to talk with you all about the Chicago Sky. But when you look at this team in its last two games and last two playoff rounds that they've got, when they've gone up against the Dallas Wings and now the Minnesota Lynx, the thing that stuck out to me the most from where they were at in the second half of the year compared to those last two games, just the energies there, that's something that Chris and I weren't so high on the Sky heading into – the playoffs just because they just weren't showing energy like any energy whatsoever. It was something that the media brought up in post-game press conferences in the last few games of the season. It's just like, where's the energy at? And this team just didn't really have a clear answer to that. And they've just looked like a completely different team in the playoffs so far. They, in the second half of the year, since the Olympic break, they gave up the most points per game to opponents. And in the last two games alone, I think they've, held opponents to 64 points and 76 points, respectively. The defense is there. Like Chris said, this team is running out in transition. They have the second fastest clip in the league in terms of uh, seconds per possession after a defensive rebound. This is a team that's just going to play up-tempo, up-tempo basketball. And even though they have it, they they're actually 3-7 and seven this year in games where they shoot 30% or less. And that's what they, that's, the, that's where they were at in the regular season. In the last two games in the playoffs, they already have two wins where they've shot 30% or less from beyond the arc. It doesn't make any sense to me, but this team is peaking at the right moment, like you said, and there's just something happening here that's pretty special. So 
it's going to be interesting to see how they do in a five game series against one of the greatest defenses of all time. Yeah. And, and you know, like I said, Connecticut gets the home court advantage. So they got to play those first two games uh, tomorrow and Thursday in Connecticut. But we actually get, we'll have a home playoff game in Chicago on Sunday uh, at uh, Wintrust Arena, which is pretty cool. You know, speak about, uh, you know, either one of you, speak about just the environment there. It seemed like to me, regardless of how the team has played this year, they've been getting good crowds at, at Wintrust, and there's been a good energy there. And, you know, I, I want to, I want, I want you guys to speak really quickly about the coverage of the team. I, I'm, on Twitter, I saw you two both speak out about this. There's been a lack of, you know, reporters at games and stuff. And, you know, I want to, I want to try to play, you know, play a role in rectifying that myself. But I think I, I'm, I'm with you guys on that. The fact that they should be getting more coverage in general. And, uh, you know, it's kind of tough that, you know, James, I heard that you you footed your own bill, man. And you went up to Minnesota by yourself to cover the game. And you were you were one of just one, two reporters there. Or Andy Constable of the Sun-Times was the only other reporter there from Chicago. Was that the case? Yeah, it was. I, you know, I reached out to the Lynx the day before the game, just saying like, hey, if there's any room for me on press row, just let me know. I would love to cover this team. And I think anytime you reach out to PR teams, just showing you, that, hey, you're committed to covering women's sports, that they're going to find a way to get you in the media section. So, yeah, I made – it was a six-and-a-half-hour drive, got there right before – or right after Sylvia Fowles was named Defensive Player of the Year. I, I missed that press conference by two minutes, so bummed out about that. But, yeah, yeah when I went to press row, bunch of Lynx reporters, um, and it was just – on the Chicago side, it was just me and Annie Costable – who does such a terrific job, by the way. This is why you should subscribe yeah, to places like the. I mean, this is why we need to subscribe to places like the Chicago Sometimes and neglect the other ones that don't, because one of the. I mean, they are committed to covering women's sports in a way that you don't see the Tribune doing that as much. I think they've had like maybe three articles on the sky this season. So yeah, it's a utter disappointment when you see that bigger publications like that are investing in women's sports and especially like a team like the Chicago sky that has a celebrity in Candace Parker. Like let's be honest here. Like she has become a celebrity. Her and for her versus Shaq is something that I know that I enjoy. Um, <laughs> but um, she's someone that is just a larger than life personality. And you have, you talk to her for five minutes and being like, I just have like 10 pull quotes that I can use for a story. So I know, yeah. know Kristen can speak to this. And I appreciate the shout out on Twitter, Chris. But, um, you know, this is uh, this is a huge problem right now. And this team deserves better coverage than it's gotten so far this year. I mean, it'd be one thing if they were sorry. I mean, it's, like I say, they're not sorry. They got a crossover star and, you know, in Candace. And, you know, it, it doesn't make sense, man. You know, I hope hopefully – like I say, this Sunday, hopefully there's a difference and there's a, you know, on press row. It will, Hopefully it won't be so easy to see Chris standing on press row as it was. No. <laughs> the last game. I, there were no chairs. <laughs> <laughs> there, were, there were no chairs, man. I mean, that's one thing, right? There were, there were no chairs left, so that was good. Yeah. <laughs> One wild thing that I want to bring up, too, I reached out to a couple publications being like, I will write you a free game recap. I am someone that is driving Uber right now so that I can cover this team in the way that it needs to be covered. I have mm -hmm. 
again, like sacrifice money so that I could do this, like do that this summer. And I didn't get any response. It's not even like, okay, you know, we can't guarantee you a byline online or something. Or It's just that uh, they, they could have just reviewed the game recap and then just jettisoned it if they didn't want it. Got no response. This is just deeper than money, in my opinion, where this is – we have the biggest problem that women's sports faces right now is legacy newsrooms who are run by – white men who don't give a shit about them. I'm sorry if I'm not supposed to curse on this, oh, you're fine. but, um, <laughs> but seriously, like this is a huge problem. And I even think, look, I follow the bears. I follow the bulls, the cubs. I've grew up wanting to be a cubs reporter, but my lone goal is to cover women's basketball full time. And I sometimes think it's not obtainable because of, again, just, you know, Chris sees it too, just how, there's no resources being poured into this. And um, I think you're turning away a lot of reporters when you do that. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's sad, man. It's sad. There's, I've seen some reports recently about numbers of, you know, definitely of, of people of color and people and women in sports, in sports room in sports newsrooms. And these numbers are woeful. If you can look them up now, I could cite one in particular, but I, I have to, Going to go back on the internet right quick, but but out there and like I say the numbers are woeful and but it's because of that that we have the decisions being made that that are being made to the, to undercover things to not cover things I should say as as much as others you know and and things like the WNBA gets overlooked and you know good teams and good markets get overlooked and you know we just got to keep speaking on it and, and hope that it you know, keep doing what we can to, to make those things change. But, you know, nothing succeeds like success, and that's why I root for uh, the WNBA general and I root for the sky. So, you know, in, in our busy Chicago sports market, if they could win, if they could get us a title in the next month, like, that'll mean a lot. And so definitely, if, if you're not up on what the sky is doing, get up on it now. Now is the time. They're playing the playoffs this year. They win this series, they're in the finals. So this is this is primetime stuff here, you know. Hey, Cal, can I ask them a question? Go ahead. Go ahead. Hey, man, first, uh, kudos to you, James, and the seed that you're sowing, man. And, and, and I, I pray that it comes back to you a 100-fold, man, because that's huge Thank you. for you to sow that type of seed, to want to give exposure to the women's game. Um, growing up in Chicago, I think it's fair that you know high to say that high school basketball is very prominent in the city of Chicago, and I know from the time I was in high school, even up to I would say probably about five years ago. I'm not so sure now because I haven't been as connected as I previously was, but we rocked with women's uh, with girls games in high school. We went to the girls games just as much as we went to the the, the boys games. In high school, you know, when Marshall was playing anywhere and we could go, we were going to see Dorothy Gators and Cappy and Kim Williams. And, you know, so my question is, like, what is missing and you in your opinion, what's missing in the city that's not connecting? Because the city, you know, at the lower level, like really connects with women's hoops. So when you go to professional level. And no one's covering this. I mean, is it that we really don't have those staple 
teams like we did and those staple players in the city, maybe from a high school level. So the buzz for women's hoops is kind of dwindling a little bit. You know, 10 years ago, it was all about, you knew you had Whitney Young, Marshall, Morgan Park. And at one point it was Washington. They were going to meet in the final four every year. And they all had D1 recruits. You're going to see Vivian Stringer at the game and every big time D1 coach at the game recruiting. So I don't know if that's the same. Uh, I would have to have, ask my guys, the bigs, because they're more connected to that. But if it's not the same, is that one of the reasons possibly why the city really hasn't gravitated to this team, even though they bring home uh, Candace Parker, a hometown girl that always wanted to play here? You see the deal. The Adidas deal is wonderful. She's transcendent. She's a great ambassador of the game. She's still a great player. I, I personally, I don't get it. You know, I would go to games if I wasn't working while games were going on because I still have the love for the game. I don't care who's playing. I'll go watch 10-year-olds, you know, <laughs> double dribble up and down the court just because I love watching the game. So what's what's the disconnect in, you, in, the, in your opinion? I, I, it's tough for me to say, Sean, because – I wasn't as connected to to the high school uh, basketball game like y'all were, like uh, Gene and Terrence were, uh, like my guy Jordan Jones was. My guy Jordan is from Phoenix, uh, by South Holland and all that, and he would go to the Big Dipper every year whether he was working. Yeah. So cats like y'all are like real basketball fans. And I don't know. I, I can't say. You know, I would have said it was like maybe a sociological thing, like you get to a certain age and there's that kind of sexist split thing where it's like, oh, you know, that's that's women's. When yeah. I was in college at Bradley, the women's team was not the draw. The men's team was because we didn't have a football team there. So it was it was about men's basketball. I got there the year after they went to the Sweet 16. And then after our freshman year, the men's team fell off the face of the planet and the women's team was doing it. They weren't all they weren't like nationwide type power. They've gotten close to that point recently. But they were always in the mix for like, you know, finishing top two or top three in the conference. They were winning 20 games a year. And yeah. I was telling people like, hey, come out and see this team. They moved us over the river to, um, to Illinois Central College to play games. And I was like, yo, come over and see these games. This is fun. And people were giving me, you know, the silent treatment. So I, I don't know exactly what it is. I, I, at that level, I think there's just kind of a, a, a sidelining still of women's sports, but in terms of like high school and why that, why that's gone the way it has, James, I think you might have a little more insight. I think you've covered more high school sports than I have personally. Well, I was the sports editor at a journalism non-for-profit about two years ago. I covered high school hoops for a year and I just think there's more invested at the younger level for these AAU teams for men's on the men's side than there are on the women's side. I do think that's changing though. And I do think the WNBA, the more visibility that it gets, you're seeing a lot of younger women being like, you know what? I can actually see myself doing this. And one of the things that the women's game has been knocked for in the past is like, Oh, they don't dunk. I just, for one, if you're a basketball fan and, and dunking is, uh, it makes it or breaks it for you for being able to watch that sport. Yeah. Like get the hell out of this environment anyway. But um, you're seeing that these women on the, at a younger level, they're, they're seeing themselves in someone like Arike Agumbawale or Candice Parker even. And 
guess what? They're dunking now. So like, I wonder what the next thing is going to be. Like I literally saw the second overall pick on the Dallas wings. Who's 19 years old. And maybe she turned 20 this year, but she's 19 years old. Take it, take two steps and dunk. You know, there's little, these little things that where you, you see like people are able to see themselves more. Um, and that, I do think that the women's game, even at the high school level is growing. Like you do see that there's more exposure there. There's a lot of great people like Jacob Rudnick who are committing themselves to covering high school women's recruitment. That's also a big thing. Like you can just put shine a spotlight on that in a way that the, the men's game, or I should say the boys game, um, we're talking about high school kids um, that they've had for years now. So I think that we're, we are starting to see a shift. I think it's, easy to forget about where the NBA was at in the early eighties. That was a league where people were saying that it's too black to succeed, that the league is too drug ridden. You saw the, the ratings were at like the Cleveland Cavaliers, something crazy that their attendance rate was at 28% in 1980, 81 season, I believe it was. And then you saw that the league invest resources into it, where you have an entertainment division that the WNBA actually just established in 2019. And now we're seeing the ratings grow. So to me, it's more like the translation to me is more like, Oh, wait a second. There's a familiarity with the NBA that we've had now since the sixties. I mean, I, I do, I know that NBA started before that, but people really in terms of the NBA discourse really start with those like sixties Celtics and Lakers teams really, where there's a familiarity with the NBA side that, People don't really know about the comets in the in the late '90s and Teresa Witherspoon hitting a half court shot to you know win a WNBA Finals game and um, you know I think we're starting to see more of it again. Candace Parker, when you seeing some of these rookies, Chris, I don't know if you heard about this, but Ruthie Hebert being like, I didn't really grow up watching the NBA, but I watched Candace Parker. Like, there's going to be a familiarity in the next. I don't know, the next 10 years when people look back and like, yeah, I remember watching Candace Parker when I was younger. I do think the numbers are growing and that they're that can like that. Like you said, I don't think this is a lack of appreciation for women's basketball. I just think people need to latch themselves onto it and familiar familiarize themselves more like they can with the NBA or even like Major League Baseball. It's been around since like 1869. You know, there's a familiarity with it. I don't think baseball is more engaging than basketball is at a certain, you know what I mean? It's just more about there's a history with it that you can attach yourself to. And I think the W is getting there along with women's basketball. Yeah, I, I think I, too I really that you, Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I, 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 I was going to say, I think too that, you know, you have the league now that celebrated its 25th year this year. And that's, you know, that's like what one or two generations now that can even realistically say that being a, a professional basketball player in America is something that that you, uh, American girls can aspire to. So now you got you got this continued uh, evolve the evolution now of of young girls and women who are going to see now uh like say see the Candace Parker, see the Sue Birds, the you know the Diana Taurasi's of the world and and they you know, to see the Becky Hammonds and they, the way that they embrace basketball is going to be different now. Where it's not, it's like, well, I can't, I'm, I'm not going to be done after the 12th grade. Now I can be a professional woman, yeah. basketball uh, player, a coach, manager, or whatever. And that's going to, I think that's going to affect families, the way that families uh, take in the game. I think it's important because it seems like the WA markets a lot towards families as well. 
and, you know, making it a, a certain thing that families can go out to games and stuff. So, you know, in in that way, we if you sort of tie it into what, what Sean was talking about with the the support that we give our young ladies in uh, at the high school level, at the amateur level, that sort of, that same thing can be fed into as we talk about college and then talk about the pros. So I think going forward, you can see more of that investment on a on a personal and an interpersonal level. So, you know, hopefully that means, like I say, more growth for the league, more investment into the league, better ratings year in and year out, you know, more more time on the networks. I think, you know, it, it seems like they've been more on ABC and on ESPN than they've been in any years going forward. You know, we could see these women play and have the showcases uh, that they have on weekends and stuff like that when people want to watch sports. So let, let's just see that and keep encouraging that. And hopefully that'll trickle down to places like where the coverage is being, where the coverage and the budgets are being uh, dis dispersed onto our newsrooms, you know, online and whatever, you no know, legacy and all that. Go ahead, Chris. It's weird. I, I know that the way that media, the way that we um, take it in has changed from, from 1996. But, you know, I forgot until recently that U.S. that USA women's team from 96 was on that episode of Martin where they dusted them yeah. on, the, on the playground court. Right. Yeah. Those those Don Staley and them were celebrities like I yeah. I knew who Cheryl Swoops was before I really knew who Tracy McGrady was, you know, like though they were mainstream. Now things are different now with with podcasts like what we do with Instagram, where people where people see uh, the people that they need to think about. Where their agenda set, it's different where they go for it. But there's still room for that. If you have a show, like if you have all these Disney Channel shows that are coming back, and you put Elena Deladon on the show, or you put Sue Bird on the show, or you put um, John Quill Jones on the show, people are going to see them and be like, oh, I know. Okay. She's okay. She's a basketball player. You know, something like that. If somebody, if some kids like three or four, they're going to see that. Like when you say the WNBA is kind of marketed towards families, I think there's a, an economic part of that where ticket prices are as such where a family can afford to go to a basketball game, a professional game, but also you get kids at a young age who that's, that's going to be imprinted on them for a much longer time. So there's a lot of room for that, but you, you got to do some, I think something that there's room for something like that, where you had that team on a show that people were going to watch. You get these players on this last Olympic team who, you know, I didn't, I didn't have the most confidence in that I have had in past years and they still went through and got that gold medal. Get those players that exposure. People talk about that a lot, like getting these players exposure away from just the basketball game that happened in other places guys i really appreciate this conversation man i'm glad we was able to get this in because that was definitely something that jumped out to me you know being a reporter and being a person who has you know spent the last 15 years of my life sort of wrapped up in media and and, and the way that we uh use it and the way that it, it is uh you know that uh it's it, what it what it what is used for in positive and negative ways, you know, I, it, it really, like I say, it, it angers me when I see that is being, you know, that that is be, that that there's this sort of purposeful uh, over overlooking of of a certain thing like the WNBA, 
and I think there's other there's other discussions to be had too in regards to the league and its stance towards certain social issues and stuff. There's a lot of other directions we could go in with this, but I, I, I don't want to hold us up. You know, we've already been on for for a bit of a while now. So I'm, I'm gonna start to wrap it up, but you know, we we definitely gonna have these discussions on on other shows. Uh, you know, like I said, running with war. I want to get you guys back on to talk about the league and stuff and uh you know maybe like as we get toward the uh the end of the playoffs and um i, I want to talk too about like the, the the top 25 players in the history of the league and stuff though those lists that come out and stuff there's been some interesting interesting stories around that too but um just right quick you know what you, what are your predictions for these these two semifinal series you got phoenix and uh, you know Phoenix and uh, uh, Vegas on the other side, you know. So you got the the one two seeds and the five and six seeds. So three and four got knocked off by those by those lower seeds. So uh, you know, can, uh, is there a possibility for more upsets to come? What type of matchup do you think we're going to see in that final series? It is fascinating. What? Yeah. No, it's really it's really interesting about what could potentially happen here. The Mercury just went on a second half surge and were, I think that we're as low as like the seventh or eighth seed at a certain point in the season. So for them to be in the five seed to potentially jump the storm to the number four seed at a certain point, you kind of have to like where this team is heading. The front court of Brianna Turner and uh, Brittany Griner, who looks like this is her best season to think of like, how long Brittany Griner has been in the WNBA, how long she's been a mainstay in basketball. Um, for her to be having her best season right now, to be potentially be and like to win MVP, she's not going to because John Quell Jones is going to, but um, I think it they could actually beat the Las Vegas Aces, who had the best offense in uh, the league this year. They're the first team in WNBA history to have seven players average 10 or more points per game. Yeah. And they are going to be really hard to slow down. If Diana Taurasi can be, um, if she can be somewhat healthy, she looked really hobbled yesterday. Um, you know, she is their third best offensive player. They're really going to need her to step up. Um, but maybe that's asking too much from her at this point, given um, you know she missed the last few games of the season. Um, if she's able to come back and she and that you can pair her with Skylar Diggins Smith and Brittany Griner, I do think that the Mercury could potentially beat the Aces if the Aces don't show up. And that's been a running theme through this. So, um, yeah, no, we'll see. It'll, I think the Mercury have a good chance. I think, Chris, I'll let you take the Sky side of this, but I can also see the Sky making some noise, but um, the Sun are clearly the better team just on paper. So I, I can mean, see we talked that. About yeah. the, we talked about the Sky's talent on paper too. So, it's you know, it's not that the, the Sun aren't going to show up. But just at this point, it's whoever plays the best three games out of five. And it, the first game is going to tell a lot. The Sky are 10 and 6 on the road. The Sun are 15 and 1 at home this year. And it's harder the way that the Sun play, the, who they have in the middle. John Paul Jones is an incredible defender, not just in terms of protecting the rim, in terms of help defense. She might have surpassed Brianna Stewart at this point in the season in terms of help defense. From the post so like i said the sky are going to have to maximize every transition opportunity they get 
and they're going to have to hold Connecticut down, which is easier said than done. John Paul Jones is an MVP. Dewana Bonner is, is, has been a fantastic shooter for her entire career. And then Alyssa Thomas is back, and Alyssa Thomas is just the definition of a bruiser, man. She bulldozed the, uh, the sky in the, the bubble game and just took over the front court. She won't necessarily be able to do that this year, but it's still going to be a grind. Uh, the sky, I don't think they're going to have a, an opportunity to get 85 points, so they're going to have to win some low-scoring games, and that's going to be tough. Allison Moran powers at the next set. It goes five, and the Sky have some momentum. They're in the rhythm of playing, whereas Connecticut has rest. So there's that argument. I don't know. I don't know. I, I bet against them, so I want to do it again so they win. <laughs> I, I, I think it could go four or five. I don't see Connecticut sweeping, but it's going to be tough for the Sky to win one on Connecticut's floor, never mind two. It's going to be tough. In let me, context, to, oh, sorry, what were you going to say? No, let me go ahead, James. Just one quick thing. This, uh, the Sun haven't lost since August, so it's going to be – they are on a 14-game winning streak right now. And, uh, yeah, they, they're they in a good position with that. that. That's what you're say? Well, okay, okay. Yeah. If we're going to take the sky side of this, if we're going to say, you know, you just talked about them reeling off 14 straight, but now they've – it's the rust versus rest kind of argument. Do do you say that? Do you see that at least playing a part in this first game? And then the second question I want to ask you guys is: um, John Quill Jones, I don't believe played in any of those three matchups um, earlier this season. How how do the sky adjust to her? As you said, she's an MVP candidate. She's their leading scorer, rebounder. And she leaves him in blocks as well. Um, where do you guys see that that her changing the dynamics of the matchup? Oh, I don't think there's any way to stop John Quill Jones. I think you can limit her. This was something that a lot of people on WNBA Twitter complain about how John Quill Jones wasn't wasn't starting in 2018. She was coming off of the bench, and I think she won most improved player that year. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but there's no stopping John Quill Jones. She's turned herself into a three-level scorer. She's shooting over – I think she's shooting either like 39% or 40% from three-point range this year. So when you look at her being a center and being able to do that, and she's doing that on four attempts a game, by the way, this isn't like one or two attempts for a center. She's doing this on four attempts a game and she is someone that's going to devastate you on all three levels of the floor. But at the same time, I do think that when you look at the sky, this is a team that when they have eight or nine players going and they've shown that multiple times this year where they can get nine or eight or nine players going on offense there's just no slowing that team down. And even though, again, the Connecticut Sun had the best defensive rating um, in a regular season since the 2007 Indiana Fever. So, we're again, we're talking about an all-time defense that can slow you down. But, um, yeah, I mean, what they were able to do to Allie Quigley in those three matchups where Allie Quigley is coming off the screen and they just denied her the ball. When you look – when you contextualize that with Allie Quigley – 30% of her scoring opportunities have come coming off the screen. And she's, I think she led the league this year in points uh, scored coming off the screen as well. So, and she missed six games to contextualize that as well. So like when you look at what the Connecticut Sun can do to you to just eliminate your offensive weapons, and then you bring John Quell Jones back into the equation, that's the part that I can't get over for this sky team. Um, but at the same time, you, when Candace Parker said it best, we are playing our best basketball right now, and it's better late than never. So we'll see what happens with that. But 
I'm I'm concerned about that matchup. <laughs> Guys, right right quick, what's been your favorite throwback that Candace has worn to a game? <laughs> I love uh, the Ron Harper one, Chris. I don't know. Yeah, that you. was funny because we were in the we were in the room and um, she left, and Annie was like, "Is that a Lene Harper jersey?" And that was like so very much Annie <laughs> to a T. Because and I didn't want to say anything. Shout out to Lene like, Harper. I interviewed her right? for for McDonald's All American game. Hey. And I was like, that's got to be a Rod Harper jersey, but I didn't want to say anything because I thought maybe a Bulls player had gotten number nine and she was riding the new wave, so I didn't say nothing either. And I was like, oh, that's a Rod Harper jersey. That's smooth. Yeah. I mean, she came with the Walter Payton, though. Um, that's, the game yeah, that, was, that, that was too cool. crisp. Yeah. Yeah. That was I tough. would say this. I think the game, and I'm, I'm being honest, man. I know everybody's worried about the women's game. In the next five years, I think there will be an infusion of some true superstars into women's basketball. Because yeah. Paige, look, Paige Buchers is one. She, when yeah, she, she leaves she Connecticut, she, she's coming in trying to take heads. Yeah. And I think what Sabrina sold, showed in that first, the way she played in her first playoff game, barely coming up short, yo. I mean, I just really see this game receiving the infusion of some true superstars that can transcend, and I think the tide is going to start rising up a little bit. So, you know, I hear all the talk, but I think, you know, sometimes you have to prove it before people want to commit resources to it. And, you know, yeah. that's just that's just what the league is going to have to do. And I think in the next five years, I really do see, uh, I think as a kid, uh, that's like class of 2023, 6'2 point guard. I think her name is Sammy Watkins. I've just been seeing her videos all over the place. She's she's cold. You know, and you see the two kids from Stanford that are there that are going to be coming in. Dunk, they're dunking now. So it's like, yo, mm -hmm. this, this, this is what's coming. And you pointed these out. These young women. These young the women know that. Yeah. The 96 team were the superstars. And I think maybe we saw a little drop off after they kind of went away. And now I think we're about to see a rise again. And then Arike, Jewel, and players like that, they're going to be the OGs. Mm -hmm. You know, and then they're going to have an infusion of these young players. And I think at that point, the league is going to be in a really, really good spot. I really do. Yeah, that's interesting, too, because we had a – Drew, I think that one, we may have had it off offline, but – a conversation about who's going to be the future of the NBA, and we 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 kind of had a hard time thinking about who's going to be that next LeBron type character in the in the NBA, that all encompassing person. But like you say, in the WNBA, it may be a wave, a whole wave of yeah. players who really carry that league and carry it to new levels. So let, let's see. And, and, and as far as this week goes, Sunday. I'm interested to see what the ratings are going to be because the Sky game is on the same time as the Bears game. And if the if the Bears go out and embarrass us like they did last week, I, I want to see some higher ratings for the Sky game. Don't, don't yeah, torture yourself. Do you guys want to see, uh, see Justin Fields go six for 20, under 70 yards passing again? I don't hey. know. Uh, you can qualify that as entertainment. Right. <laughs> don't torture yourself again, folks. You know, switch over to some playoff basketball if if, yeah. if we get something like we got uh this past Sunday. 
Yeah, yeah. it's going to be exciting. Yeah. Yeah. But fuck, these these my guys here, man. James and Chris. If you want to know about WNBA women's basketball, these are the guys to go to. They have a they they were kind enough to come on just after they they just recorded their own podcast, and I'm gonna let them uh plug their podcast right here that you can listen to right away and get some of the best uh, WNBA cover. You see, James coming out his pocket, going to Minnesota to cover the game. These are men of principle here, man. They really love this shit. So you support these dudes, man. If you if you want to know more about uh, women's basketball, support these dudes right here. But go ahead and plug uh, your podcast. Yeah, we pretty much record every week. We go over all the narratives surrounding the Chicago Sky and the WNBA. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Um, we're on Twitter. We've been pretty active this year with Twitter. So you can follow us at Skyhookin which is S-K-Y-H-O-O-K-I-N. And yeah, no, we, um, you know, this, again, this was such a pleasure to do this. We, um, you know, we love covering this team and, you know, me and Chris, I love our uh, different styles of going at, uh, looking at this team. I think we've, uh, I think the reason that we've seen a bump in our numbers is because of that. So I love doing it with Chris and appreciate all that you guys do. Definitely, definitely. Love talking to you guys. Of course, Chris is uh, on with us every week on Running With War. So uh, definitely keep up with him. Keep up with what James got going on. Definitely on uh, Twitter and everything. Uh, yeah, give your – I think I showed him when – I showed him uh, a little earlier when you guys were talking. But go ahead and give those Twitter handles. Chris, you go. I love your Twitter handle so much. <laughs> You know it's at Quandary Kitten. That's K-W-A-N-D-A-R-Y Kitten on Twitter. Um, come for the WNBA talk. Stay for the uh, Super White Sox standing and uh, <laughs> Lori Lightfoot shade. Right, right quick, Chris. Right quick, Chris. What you think about uh, the Sox this week? I, I'm buying the Sox this week, of course. They they clinched in Cleveland. They, they won the day in Detroit. They did – they pissed me off when they lost those first two in Detroit, but I think they're starting to come around now. Got we got about six six home games left to, in the season. You know, before we, you answer that question, can we can we can we get a position started to figure out why the hell they keep hitting the Braille? I was this like, yo, Sean, I'm looking like, dead at you, man. What's this going is, on? That, that might be the thing that lights a fire under this squad because they haven't had anybody pushing them. Uh, Cleveland's been out of it for a long time, but today. Today, like it was, Abreu was about to hook off, and he never gets mad. And mm -hmm. I didn't realize you don't realize how big that dude is until three dudes are holding him back from, from <laughs> the entire Detroit roster. <laughs> this Sox team might have—it's not that they peaked at the right time or something. They still have some some things to work out, and Houston's going to be tough. But there's five games left in the season. They won today, which means they're two and a half back of Houston for being second as, as opposed to third and the Sox need that home field advantage if they can yeah. get it but they're not going to go quietly even if they got to play on the road man uh I saw something today that made me think it might be it might be better than than we're, we're thinking they look they look lit yeah they look lit today yeah uh Jane let, 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 we derailed right quick but uh give you give you two yeah my handle is James underscore M underscore K-A-Y and I literally just keep it to basketball these days. I try not to. My Cubs suck. 
I have no <laughs> hope for the future with this team. I can't believe they traded all the way. Let's look at some Brennan Davis highlights and and, and hope. <laughs> I'm not interested for what's going to happen three years from now. You know, I'm not. I'm not are you kidding me? James, oh, they, James they're going to spin. They're going to spin this summer. You're, you'll be all right. They're going to spin, man. <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I've got no faith in uh, this ownership now. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I'm keeping it to the Chicago Sky content for now. I'm going to be getting more invested in uh, college women's basketball. So um, women's college basketball, that's my uh, – that's <laughs> the long drive speaking for me there. Um, but, yeah, no, if you – Want updates on what's going on on women's hoops? I um, you can find me at James underscore M underscore K A Y. So, yeah, <laughs> appreciate you guys, man. Great, great job, uh, great job, man. Really, uh, uh, like, like I say, love talking with you guys about uh, the women's game and everything. And we'll we'll do that again soon on uh, Running with Wolf. So keep up with with that as well. But uh, I'll let you guys go. I know, like I said, you've been recording for a minute now. Uh, tonight, so we're gonna we gonna wrap up uh, us three up up top here, <laughs> and uh, like I said, I'll, I'll let you guys go. But uh, have you know, to have a good evening, guys, and uh, we'll get up soon. Hey, sounds good. Thanks for having us. Yeah, no doubt. Appreciate it, guys. All right, Chris Pennant, James K, our guys, and um, yeah, just like, like I say, man, it, you know, I I don't know what I would. Uh, cover out of my own pocket going to Minnesota to do. I, I, I don't know if there's anything. <laughs> what <laughs> Real talk. That's that's the type of stories. I mean, a lot of guys in the business that are now doing it big for big brands have those type of stories, man, where yeah. you know they made the sacrifice and it, it paid off. So that's why I said kudos to them. And I really you know, speak that 100-fold return for them, man, because that's that's huge, man. That 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 means you really want to do what you want to do. Yeah, and, and like you I said, somebody that passionate. Yep, that, and like I said, it's a principal thing with them too. They really believe in the sport and in the movement behind it, and they they want they just want more people to understand and and appreciate it like they do. You know, it's it's not and there's not an agenda beyond that. They they just give up the facts and everything, and they. You know, they present things the way that they are, but beyond that, you know, if if, if you just a sexist or a meathead, that's something y'all got to deal with, you know. Right. So you know, but hopefully there'll be less of those as the years go by. So we'll we'll see. But but Sean, right quick uh, before we before we wrap up entirely, man, I just wanted to uh, you know say we'll get you to uh, plug your stuff. And you know, one the main thing I wanted to speak to you about uh, that we was going to get together last week, but uh, you know, the, the plans changed unfortunately. But uh, you know, we was going to talk about Notre Dame football, yeah. And uh, you know, you have your podcast, Lucky Lefty. Of course, I'll let you plug that in a minute. But uh, you know, right quick, just a couple things coming off that game with Wisconsin here in, in Chicago, Soldier Field. You know, uh, were you impressed by that effort and? Uh, you know, no, they had a they they was they were a little shaky in a couple games to start the season, but uh, you know, they 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 won that game going away against Wisconsin. Were you impressed by that effort more than than the previous ones? I'm impressed by this entire year thus far, and I really believe. Oh, I you predict, are. I predicted they would win ten games. 
before the season, knowing that the offensive line would take a step back because of the loss. They had three starters that had played over 35 games in their college career. And they were bringing in guys that played less than five at three different spots. So you knew there would be a, a step back along the offensive line. Would it be as egregious as it is? I don't think anybody thought that the offensive line would be as bad as it's performed up to this point. Mm-hmm. But I predicted no matter who I talked to, I went on Hood's podcast, I went on a, another a national podcast, and I was like, there's no way Wisconsin should be six-point favorites. Like, Notre Dame is a yeah, more that was, talented Yeah, that was kind team. of silly to me, yeah. Notre Dame's a more talented team. And that's what you see. The program at this point, Brian Kelly has gotten into a place where the talent is stopped. They continue to put players into the NFL. Look, you saw it yesterday when you were watching Cleveland. Jeremiah Wusukoromoa is a beast. There's no way he should have slipped to the second round. He's a first-round talent, and that's what they continue to produce. And they have two. Kyle Hamilton is going to be a top-10 player in the first round. So you see programs producing like that on an annual basis. That means the program is elevated. So they're at a point where they're pretty much consistently a 10-win program. Now they have to uh, – the task is, can we close in on Alabama? And, and that's everybody in college football. Yeah. yeah. Right now, can we close in on Alabama? The good thing, the hiring of Marcus Freeman has infused the recruiting. And in the 2022 and 2023 classes, they are ranked number two and number three, respectively, wow. right now. So hey, the future is looking bright, you know. They had, in my opinion, they had plateaued and they pretty much were a team, especially with the expansion that you could say, okay, they're going to make the college football playoff and that's about it. But now with these two recruiting classes stacked on top of each other, if they really get one or two difference makers, specifically if they get that difference maker at the quarterback position, you might see Notre Dame be able to actually win a national championship in a couple of years. Well, that's that's so that I, that goes into my my next question. My last question is, you know, there's been a lot of talk about Kelly, Brian Kelly, and sort of his legacy mm-hmm. in recent days because he just with the win Saturday he passed Newt Rockney for the most wins in program history. Now his winning percentage ain't like Newt Rockney's, but or or era Parsegians or something. Like that. They played less games and stuff, but they were dominant coaches. Yeah, but you know, with Kelly, it seems like you're you've been you're you you're at a positive place with him and what he's done to the program at this point. You I'm know, at a positive place with the fact that he is willing to change and admit what's not working. Okay. After the four and eight season in 2016, he made considerable changes in the coaching staff and the way he related to his players. He was almost untouchable before that to his players. He became a lot more uh, amenable to building relationships with his players, allowing them to come in, speak with them, and express how they feel. And he's become more of a CEO Hmm. and entrusted a lot more to coach and develop. And with that being said, you know, that's how you get a guy like Marcus Freeman, who's a superstar and just may be the heir apparent, you know, to Brian Kelly. And there's a lot of buzz about Brian Kelly possibly you know, being up for the USC gig. 
Oh, really? You know, yeah, and you have, let's be honest, what you just said, he said it himself last week at a press conference. Look, what does it mean for me to be the winning, winning this coach? Mm. I've got the most wins and no national championships. Right. Every every other coach on that list at Notre Dame has a national championship. That's so real. he he knows. He knows that's just on paper. It means nothing from a legacy standpoint. He hasn't established himself from a legacy standpoint. So you have to ask yourself, or he has to be honest with himself, can I really do it here? Even with the two recruiting classes I have coming in, can I do it here or do I go get more money and go to a state with a foundation of college recruits like California that is plentiful like no other state maybe other than Texas? Yeah. At a state school where I don't have to jump through hoops with admissions, I can go after certain players that wouldn't be able to get into Notre Dame, can I go and build out there and win quicker? Than staying here and trying to close the gap in Notre Dame while I still have to jump through hoops and I won't be able to go after the difference makers that might not have that 3.5 GPA that they need to get into Notre Dame. But, you know, you can't even recruit the player until he says it's okay at Notre Dame. Like, a lot no of people way. don't even know that. Like, you, have to, wait, you have to wait for, for permission from admissions to go ahead and recruit the player. It's 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 amazing that Notre Dame still does as well as it does, given the the restrictions that they have in recruiting and stuff like that. But I mean, at SC, man, I, I think they they kind of weird out there to me, man. They 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 still they don't seem to know what they want, man. And, and I don't they, they just they just want they just wanted to be like it was. I know they wanted to be like it was when when Pete Carroll was there and everything, but it's. Yeah. It's like they've gone through so many coaches and so, like I I don't know if I would leave Notre Dame to go there. Well, their biggest their biggest mistake was letting Urban Meyer leave the state. Like he was mm. right there on the Fox set each and every week. <laughs> yeah, they decided to play Helton, and that was the biggest mistake they made. Because if they had gotten Urban Meyer, Scott would have been the limit. Sure, he he definitely knows how to build a program up. Yep. So, yeah. Well, 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 yeah, I, I said, I know I said that was the last one, but of course, the Notre Dame has the big game. They have a pretty big game this week with Cincinnati. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts on that one? And, and do you think that's going to be another chance for them to make a statement, or would it be on ups? Would it be an upset, or are they on upset alert or whatever? Well, see, once again, this just goes to talk about the status of the program and where they're at. When you're a top notch program, you don't necessarily have to bring your A game to beat good teams. And we saw that against Wisconsin. I would say Notre Dame probably played maybe a B minus C plus game. The defense was really good. Offense was eh, no rushing attack. Offensive line was horrible. Jack Cone got knocked out the game. Yeah. came in and played well in relief, but they made mistakes and that balances out. Cincinnati, Notre Dame is the better team. They have the better athletes. They're better on paper. Cincinnati's going to be ranked higher. Cincinnati is a, I think, two-and-a-half-point favorite right now. I told people early today, jump on that. Jump hmm. on that two-and-a-half because the public money is going to come in on Notre Dame, and when the public money comes in on Notre Dame, that line is going to go down. <laughs> and by kickoff, it might be a point. 
you may oh it might be a pick them by kickoff i'm trying to tell people jump on that two and a half yes it's going to be a tough game it was a fourth quarter game against wisconsin it'll probably be a fourth quarter game against the bearcats when they come into south bend but everybody knows when you come to south bend you better be a touchdown better than notre dame because they will get the calls yeah. All right. You, you better be at least a touchdown to two touchdowns better on that day. All right. Well, uh, tell tell the folks what you're doing. Uh, you know, we, we haven't really gone into uh, your coverage. You know, what just exactly what you're doing. You have your podcast, and you're also doing some writing, right, on, on Notre Dame, right? Just tell people what you're doing with uh, USA Today and all that. Yeah, I'm writing a Sports Illustrated Irish oh, Sports Illustrated, excuse me. Yeah. Sports Illustrated's Irish Breakdown website. That's irishbreakdown.com. You go there. Uh, I do the betting uh, for each week. I give you the cover three, which is the top three and the best bets in college football for that week. I also, I'm working on a piece for the middle of the season, which talks about how the program is taking the next step. And you can see the framework of what's to come and how these top two, three recruiting classes can fit in. They don't quite have the athletes at certain positions, but the athletes that are coming, you can see the framework and how they fit. And we, I'm, gonna, I'm still working on an article to show you why they can catch up to Alabama. I'll probably get that up week six or seven during that bye week. So uh, also the Lucky Lefty podcast, uh, you can go to the YouTube channel, see all of our great content. Myself, former uh, Notre Dame quarterback Malik Zaire, that's my co-host. Each mm. and every week we preview the game, and then we recap the game afterwards. And then we talk a little NFL during the week on Wednesdays as well. So, And we have special guests. We've had Jer- Jared on, uh, I think Ian Williams. He was a, a professional nose tackle for the 49ers, I think, for about two or three years. Uh, Notre Dame graduate, played in Notre Dame. He was on with us. So we'll have some more guests coming up this week. And uh, it's just a great thing, man. Uh, I wanted to get back into writing. Knew some people over there. They were gracious enough to give me the opportunity. And uh, they also gave me opportunities to do podcasts every Monday on the website for Irish Breakdown. Mm-hmm. Kind of recapping Brian Kelly's press conference every Monday. So I do that as well. So it's just been a blessing, man. A lot of doors is open. More opportunity. Uh, building my brand and uh, my big brother, Jay Hood, putting his foot in my butt, you know, <laughs> telling me to stop waiting to do stuff and just go out there doing it. And, you know, I just I just did it and stepped mm-hmm. out on faith and the door started to open, man. And I'm 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 so grateful and I couldn't mm-hmm. be more happy to because, uh, you know, especially in college football, it's not a lot of us no. covering college football. So once again, I love to be one of those trailblazers, man just to kind of open a door and have others come behind me and to connect with those that are already in there. So I'm, I'm loving every minute of it, every minute of it. So you can follow us on uh, Instagram and Twitter at lucky lefty pod. And uh, this Thursday uh, we are back with my brothers, the best three man weave and basketball podcast, Chris case and myself, BC, We'll be dropping our preseason podcast for the Chicago Bulls this Thursday. So I'm excited, oh, yeah. about, excited about that as well. Wait, y'all ain't going to talk about Ben Simmons? Man, look, man. I, <laughs> <laughs> yo, I feel I, – I, I have to keep BC from talking about him on the podcast. <laughs> 
That's like an hour of content just by yeah. itself. Yeah, it's like Ben Simmons did something to BC boy, and Man. I'm like, dude, he won't let up. We we have a text thread, a daily text thread. Me, him, and Jr. Bang. The stuff he says about that dude, I'm like, man, that dude has a mama, man. You can't. Is 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 it worse than what he does on Twitter? Oh yeah. Oh, oh right. absolutely. Well, absolutely. I, I don't know if I got a chance to read. Um, is it Candace Buckner for Washington Post? Yeah. Oh man, I I, I even like I quote tweeted it and so and it was like BC man, it's not like you wrote this. Like it was. Yeah. Woo. Yeah, but you know him and uh him and C Buck go back years. Okay. okay. Like when he was like a slam. Mm. Scoop that connection is scoop. So mm -hmm. as a previous relationship there, they might have some conversations. Because <laughs> I, I haven't heard, yeah, exactly. I haven't heard a lot. A lot of people in the national media talk about Ben Simmons in the way that BC does. Not even, not even to to the extent that he does, but even like just going halfway in. Like nobody yeah. really digs in like that. So yeah, BC is. I, I'll just say this, man, because I. BC actually had a family member for a Bulls player call him <laughs> about his tweets. It was the craziest thing I'd ever heard. I'm like, say he, what? He was, they thought he was. They thought he was was doing that much of the tweets. They Dude, they no. like they were calling him trying to check him. Like, yo, why are you doing this? And he flat out didn't come. Didn't change. Like, do something. Okay. So we talking, like, back and we talking like Shaquille O'Neal, JaVale McGee, McGee's mother type situation. Yeah, it was like literally a close family member <laughs> called like, man, why are you saying this about such and mm -hmm. such? And it was just like, man, this is getting wild. This <laughs> is getting wild. We got, yeah, so, we, we got, we got to do something, man, with y'all, with uh, our guys. Man, we, not, we need to do a big, we need to do a big mashup. Yeah, I've been yeah, saying it. I've been that. saying it. We need to do a big mashup, and uh, you know we love you guys, man. We yeah, y'all love man. you guys, and like I said, I have to. And yo, this is going to happen. We'll talk about it offline. Make sure y'all shoot me in my uh, DM me your your personal information so I can shoot y'all some stuff because we're trying to do some stuff on a pretty much on a monthly basis. Okay. But everybody in Chicago that's that's rocking just to support each other and, and always be there for each other because we we really want to see each other on a monthly basis. Yeah, and, and yeah, it's it's getting you know it's, it looks like it's getting a little better now. We can do that, you know, with everything. So right, right. yeah, let's, let's, I'm I'm definitely down with anything you guys got going on, man. You've been like you you've been brothers in arms for a while now. You've been guys that we admire and. And that definitely uh, look up to in certain ways, man. So I'm, I'm glad, just glad for any good things that happen for you, for you specifically, and, and definitely for for guys like BC and Chris. And you know, they, like I say, y'all just the guys, man. That's how that's what it is. So yeah, that cat BC dipped when got into TV. <laughs> right now, this dude's talking about moving to Atlanta. I'm like, okay. Oh, okay. Okay, I, I told him. A little I slow down there, Jackson. I, I said, you get a gig in Atlanta, boy, you better give me a job. I'm letting you know. Mm. Relocating. <laughs> Ain't nothing like relocating. I'm, I'm coming to the ATL. <laughs> All right. We're going to sign off, man. We done, This has been a super show, man, and uh, we definitely had a lot of fun. But like I said, I want to get you back on 
and and like do some more uh, college football talk and and I, I want to talk about like your history with Notre Dame too because I I think we are I think there's an interesting story for every a, brother, a black kid from the south yeah, for every Dame. <laughs> every brother that likes Notre Dame like yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's 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 just a thing. It it, it 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 makes me think of I don't know if you know this song by J Live called uh uh it's, it's God I forget the term but he, he he the the MC J Live he talks about a song where he he talks about his family history and he talks about uh having family in South Bend and oh. he used to, and he used to he used to watch Notre Dame through well, with them and he says Grandma said you can't beat the team and the beads too. Right. <laughs> that line always sticks in my head. Man. My story is real simple, bro. My grandfather had a business over in the stockyards. One of his clients was an alumni, gave him tickets one Saturday. He took me when I was like three years old and my father, I was sitting on their laps at the game and he would take me and my father every year. And that was mm, my wow. at a young age. And you couldn't tell me anything else about Notre Dame Stadium. I didn't have to see any other college football team. It was from that moment forward, I was locked in. That'll do it. That'll it was do just, it. it was that just that simple. Mm-hmm. You know, my grandfather getting tickets from his client. Yeah, that'll do yeah. it, man. That's that's a great story. But we'll yeah, we definitely gonna see more about about uh, Notre Dame and and the college football scene with with my man Sean Davis. Appreciate you, bro. Uh, good luck and, and, and wish you the best on all your future endeavors, man. Man, the best to you all as well, man. Extra grace and favor to both of you. Definitely. Thank you. Appreciate you. Yes, sir. Uh, man, uh, Drew, you got anything else, man, you want to say? I'm, I'm going to shout out some more team. We didn't really get into the sports, uh, the Chicago Sports Exchange stuff this week. But uh, I'm going to shout out, I say, buying the socks, of course, this week. Cubs, we 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 selling on the Cubs indefinitely. Uh, shout out to um, the Red Stars. They uh they beat like the top team and they lead the 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 women's uh, soccer league this week. Let me see. I think it's Portland, and they're uh, fighting in the playoffs. They they have a they've won like their last five games. They've either tied or uh or uh won. They haven't lost in the last five games, so they they got they got like two more games, two more home games. We talking about women's sports, support women's sports. You know that's another way to go there with the Red Stars. They play out, they play out round where I came up in Bridgeview, just out just south Argo. <laughs> go check them out over there at SeatGeek Stadium, and uh, like I say, got two games in October. They playing before they in their regular season, but uh, yeah, that. I'm trying to think of what else is going on. I don't know. That's it. That's it pretty much. Like, that's that's the scene right now in Chicago. Like I said, we spoke a lot about those. Those Sky, support them. Big big games coming up. Game one of their series tomorrow. Uh, game three is going to be in Chicago Sunday during uh, while the Bears are on as well. So, you got, you got your option in case the Bears are embarrassing again. <laughs> but, uh, but that's it for now. That's Drew up there at the top. Sean, Big Sean Davis there at the bottom, and me in the White Sox cap. So if you see me on 35th Street, this is what I'm rocking the rest of the fall. We rocking with the White Sox on the low end. That's what. That's all we do. 
<laughs> all right. Peace out. See you next Monday. Mondays with bees. Appreciate all the love and support out there. And uh, that's it. We are with the radio. And uh, we out.